0: on by the way excellent i love a red light it means
1: warning by the way
2: unless you're in amsterdam and
1: what does it mean then
2: open for business
1: the degree the podcast is brought to you by soccer 90.com shop soccer 90.com for all the latest arrivals including fc dallas gear fifa women's world cup european club gear get the new marvel fc dallas pre-match top Endless Captain America balls. They got everything. Third degree listeners get 20% off when you order with the code Third Degree at checkout at soccer90.com. Some exclusions may apply. Well,
0: hello there, FC Dallas Curious fan. Welcome to another episode. This one is numerically numbered 217 217 of Third Degree, the podcast. Hello, I am Peter, just hanging out here virtually on the interwebs. First with My favorite guy with a big bushy beard on his face, Dan Crook. Howdy, Dan. Hello. (laughs) Hello, Dan. What you been up to lately? Sweating. How about you? Yeah? All your undercarriage parts all grody?
2: I don't want to talk about that.
0: Okay. All right. Well, I just, you know. Seems to be a hot topic
2: these days in these parts. I mean, everything's me. a hot topic when the heat index is 115 every year. Well, breaking day.
0: news Texas is hot in the summer, everybody. It's always <laughs> been this way. It's never varied from this. This is not new.
2: <laughs> but there's records. Yeah, what, no,
0: the record was in 1980 when I was an 11 and a half years old. That is hot. So everybody just calm down with your this is too hot stuff it's been this way forever uh and your hero my hero everybody's hero the amazing
1: buzz carrick buzz i remember the summer of 1980 it was indeed horrific it was bitch hot is what yeah. it was yeah that, that's when when people talk about texas and hot that's when i say that's the that's the time where i actually was in like things like 110 you know and experience it myself it was a yes really awful summer. i remember
0: standing outside at the end of it on the day it finally rained after however many days of drought we had had that particular summer and uh standing out and just like dancing around in the rain it was uh, a marvelous day after all the misery that we had been through yeah it, it was a rough summer of your life i'm sorry what'd you say dan
2: was it the happiest day of your life
0: For for an 11-and-a-half-year-old, yeah, it was pretty much the happiest day of my life. Um, Because I think later that year in December, at the age of 12, for Christmas, I would have that difficult moment when uh, when my parents opened a door to my Christmas present, which turned out to be a Huffy bike, not a Schwinn. Oops. And I had to uh, feign excitement and glee. While inside being more uh, just mortified over the fact that I was going to get run over hard by all my friends for having a Huffy bike and not a Schwinn.
1: Yeah, quite rightly.
0: I know. Well, my parents tried their best. Yeah. Anyway, that's all we need to talk about about 1980. Uh, this is a wonderful episode because since we last talked, our club has not played a game of soccer, which means they did not lose. Hmm. <laughs> And nobody else got hurt again. At least I'm hoping Buzz is going to tell us nobody got more hurt. Mm-hmm. We don't have any more hurters uh, on the club, and maybe we get some good news. So here on the run sheet on the front, written in red crayon, it says, Jesus Ferreira is an all-star once again.
1: Yes. Yes, he is. Uh, second year in a row. Uh, it's pretty well-deserved. I think You know, we uh, the only surprise, actually, is that he was voted into the um into the thing and into the starting lineup and wasn't in on some coach selection or something else like that um just because the dallas doesn't always get very many votes i mean there's been many times where we felt a player was deserving and they didn't get voted in you know we weren't even sure that he would get voted in uh and and i felt pretty confident you know going into the all-star voting process that he would be the only one or despite the fact that the club had some campaigns, and you can make cases for one or two other guys. There really was no way you were going to get somebody else other than him. So, um, it's it's exciting probably for him to get that, you know, opportunity. Even if you don't actually want to play in the game, it's still a cool recognition. He gets to play on those cool games before the All Star game, right? Uh, well, if he gets chosen the for the skills, skills competition, and yeah. stuff, that'd be cool. If Pepe did it once. You know, I don't I don't know if Jesus will do it or not. But it's uh, Jesus did it last year. Did he? Okay, great. Yeah, maybe maybe they'll let somebody else do it again. Instead, sometimes they try to rotate people, people in that, keep it fresh. But um, I'm sure he probably is happy to have the presumed bonus check that he gets for getting that. I mean, almost everybody has that kind of stuff written into their contract. So it doesn't stink, tell you that.
0: Uh, and I think we all feel like we're in agreement that he's probably the only player on the team deserving of an all-star spot this season. Is there somebody else that I'm forgetting that might have deserved Pause, maybe. Martin, pause, pause yeah. Maybe. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's it. Pause, pause. Oh, I thought I heard Dan say somebody's He did. He said Martin Pause at the same time I said. Martin and Martin then pause.
2: you you paused for thought. Yeah, it was a triple pause.
0: Speaking of which, is this where we stop the podcast so Buzz can
1: pimp his new Martin <laughs> pause T-shirt? Uh, yeah, the Paw Patrol shirt. That's uh, I had fun with that one. It was um, something I felt would be uh, sort of all audiences appropriate, and people would like it. And there's even kid versions of it, sizes and stuff. So if you like that, uh, hopefully people will enjoy that shirt. I, he seemed to respond to it, and we sold a couple of them. So
0: do you think? Do you think when he saw that giant question mark formed over his Dutch <laughs> head?
1: <laughs> yeah, he probably had no idea what Paw Patrol was, <laughs> but. Um, you know, I, I, I put the video of the intro to the show, you know, in replies and he was tagged on there. So hopefully he saw it. I, it was super cool that he saw that we made a shirt for him and, you know, liked that, you know, whether he gets the. Or not? That's a different question. But
0: yeah, well, I think he's a little bit lonely because his girlfriend has been over in Europe quite extensively for the for the longest time, and I and he is starting to get rather irregular on on Twitter about tweeting things. Like he was tweeting about the weather, and he goes to sports things. He was tweeting. I think he made himself a Dallas Cowboys jersey and tweeted that image out the other day. So I think he's a little lonely or got, doesn't have much going on outside of practice. So I, I am glad to see the result of that is that he's engaging uh, with people online a little bit. That's a lot of fun.
1: He's been pretty good about it. You know, he's been lately, he's been tweeting about after games, you know, saying, yeah, you know, uh, not, not <laughs> personal, mea culpas, but you know, like the one time he did it, say I wasn't good enough. But there's other times he said, you know, we're not good enough. We need to get better. So I'm just I'm hoping
0: not- that the uh, Dutch third degree fan club decides to make a uh, Buzz Carrick third degree homage shirt in reference to some sort of Dutch kids uh, cartoon or PSA. Uh, character that'd be funny and then you could go hey that's really cool and have no idea what they're yeah. talking
1: about I, I don't think there's that many dutch third degree fans but i'm sure that all two of them will get together and do a shirt
0: you think there's more there's got to be more than two buzz
1: uh we do not get very many listens out from outside the United i don't want to hear this <laughs> i don't want to hear
0: this i uh i tend to believe that you are a worldwide yeah. phenomenon
1: oh you're out uh, you're crazy that's there's no way
0: don't you think
2: dan I'm just uh, sorry. I was I was lost in Martin Paz's Twitter feed talking about Pinterest and designing houses and. Yeah, did you uh, see that? Uh, yeah, uh, you know, I'm just uh, I'm surprised he has all this time. I mean, he is a he is a big football manager player, and that can easily take up all twenty four hours in a day. <laughs> well, maybe that's why his girlfriend lives in Europe all the time
0: because he's like playing FM you all the Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, there was a time in a day when Championship Manager, the previous version of that, almost ruined my marriage because I got so sucked
2: into it in the late '90s. Uh, oh my god. You would gosh. have been one of the several dozen. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. It's amazing uh, that they have that proud record. That, uh, <laughs> there's probably a
0: wall of photos in there yeah. somewhere in their lobby or something. This man got a divorce or lost his girlfriend or spouse or partner because he played too much football manager. Mm. All right. Sorry. I got uh I digress. We go back to the all-star conversation. Uh so Ferrera is an all-star. Maybe Martin Paws should have been in there. Is there any chance anybody else uh, gets called up, or is it is all the uh, no. special
2: awardings Yeah, been done?
1: They've done all that. Um, the coaches' teams and the, um, the commissioners' awards has all been done. So there's I mean, not many else from Dallas.
2: When they used to have it, when uh, the day before the All-Star game, another 40 players would get picked to an extra roster so they'd get get contract bonuses.
1: Yeah, there's a very specific reason for that. Um,
2: It's because in the early days of the league, you had
1: the Eastern versus the Western Conference. And then when the league wanted to go MLS team versus foreign team, like they're playing Arsenal this time, that eliminated half the amount of
2: All-Star spots. no, No, that's not what I'm talking about like yeah. uh even even when i started playing other teams the day before the all-star game and it was purely a contract thing right that's what would... i just said yeah but what i'm saying when they started
1: playing the new teams when they started playing european teams it eliminated half the all-star spots so the the players union said that's wrong you owe us 25 more roster spots so they added oh, okay. and announced a whole other team of all-stars that aren't in the
2: game because okay. of those
1: contract obligations
2: Oh, I thought you were saying that was what ended it and I was like, no. No, no,
1: that's why that exists. It probably still does exist.
2: I would imagine, I'm sure unless they negotiated it out of the CA. Stop doing the announcements if if something like that does exist.
0: Yeah. What is it like MLS All Star second team or not so all star team? Or almost all star team?
2: Blas Perez would get like the announcement every single year.
0: Uh, okay, so uh, congratulations to Jesus. I'm sure he's super excited about that. And uh, we'll get to play. And who are they? Are they playing Arsenal. Arsenal? Yeah. Yeah, that's right.
1: They are Arsenal. Yeah.
0: And Declan Rice. And um, Kai Havertz. <laughs> Maybe.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: That's- Arsenal's added all kinds of players. Yeah. Yeah. Not my team. Um, no. Okay, so let's move on. It says here on the run sheet. Jesus Ferreira versus Brandon Vasquez, parentheses, requested.
1: Yeah, that came from We got a the, podcast request. Yeah, I didn't know it that came from somebody on. I didn't Twitter, know that was a thing. Sent, well, you know, it's we like should a good make idea. it a thing, Buzz. The podcast yeah. request well, I mean, questions. You know, people don't ever. Re- re- people so rarely ask us to talk about a specific topic, and it seemed like a good one. Um, Because it was, you know, whenever Jesus plays for the national team, you get a whole bunch of all kinds of things from other different places. You mean idiots? Yeah. Well, and one of them was this idea, which I think is an interesting idea to talk about, was this, this narrative that some people have that Jesus isn't a nine and is not a good nine and that Brandon Vasquez is a nine and he's awesome and Jesus should be a midfielder. And I think there's some talking points in there that are worth discussing. So it's not like necessarily I want to say that those guys should be considered head-to-head because you guys both know that squads are bigger than that and there are players that fill specific roles and the, the, and the tactical decisions are made based on who you're playing. So really what it comes down to is basically to have a discussion. This person was asking, David Mercer is his name, was asking us to have, sort of have a discussion about this idea that Jesus might be a better midfielder or not, and, and then how that compares to Brandon Vasquez. So um, I pulled some numbers if you want me to go first, and then you guys can sort of maybe follow up on that if you want. Okay. So just look at the last two seasons of Major League Soccer is what I pulled just to give us a uh, a, a pool of games, not just a couple of games for the national team. So just looking at the pool of when both players have been really good. And they're very close. The very same two players are very, very close in almost every way. They, they both – Played 50 games, 50 and 51, and they've started, you know, 48 and 46, whatever. Those are give or take the same. Um, Vasquez has 22 goals in that time frame because he's down a little bit this year. Um, And Jesus has got 28. So still, though, that's in the same ballpark. And then 10 assists to to 8 assists, relatively the same. So this is the thing we talk about with Jesus, right, is that he is a very clinical finisher and clinical goal scorer. And you can look at that and be demonstrated in things like shots to goals ratios. So for example, uh, Vasquez is is, uh, 5.6 shots for every goal. And Jesus is 4.5. So that's again, roughly the same. Tiny bit better for Jesus. If you want to look at shots on target per goal, again, sort of very similar. 2.55 for Vasquez and 2.14 for Jesus. So you can see that, Jesus is a tiny bit better in both of those things, but I'm going to go ahead and be fair and say they're roughly the same. So those those categories mean that those two guys are just as prolific a goal scorer across the board. Where they differentiate is basically the, the sort of alternative stats on how they get things done. And the thing that you can come back to is what we always talk about, Jesus, where he's a movement striker and a chaos creating striker. Uh, you know, a combiner. Really, it's this idea that he's a false nine or an off striker, is what we say more often than not. Which is this sort of tenish look as a playing with a nine most of the time, or with a, if the other nine is missing, he's, an off, he's a false nine. So Jesus has a 95th percentile among strikers with shot creating actions. So he creates opportunities and chaos. And uh, Vasquez is only 30%. It's basically almost double shot creating actions for Jesus. But going the other way, Brandon has much more uh, of a higher rate and higher percentage of progressive receptions, which means he's higher up the field. Uh, He wins a higher percentage of much, much higher percentage of aerial duels. And so he is obviously quite clearly and very simply a big-bodied high striker. And Jesus is very obviously, very clearly an off-striker or false nine. Yet they both are prolific in their scoring and, and finish at a very clinical rate Uh, And so they're very comparable players in terms of production, but they're very different players in terms of how they go about their business. This is one of the reasons why uh, people have sometimes talked about the idea of trying to get both those guys on the field at the same time for the national team. If you can play a two-striker system, it'll work really well. Now, the problem, of course, right now is that the national team plays a pretty rigid 4-3-3 most of the time. They're not looking to play a two-striker system. And so if you wanted to get both those guys on the field, you had to begin to get creative. But really what we know is is that you're going to have a larger pool of players. And some games, one guy makes more sense than other games. Now, whether you feel your coaching system is making the right choices about that or not is a different question. Now, if you think uh, Jesus should be a midfielder, I think that's where it all falls apart because his best characteristic is the clinical finishing. And he's a decent passer, but he's not a very good... Um, progressive dribbler for example he doesn't like he doesn't do like a Pulisic or a Reyna or in our club, local club here case Alan Velasco where they pick up the ball and dribble at people he, he can burst by people but he's not this nifty dribbler he's a quick quick pass quick quick touch good at line breaking those kinds of things but that doesn't say making making a midfielder you just watch the way he plays and the way compared him to Paxton or compared him to Velasco and you can easily see what the difference is so that's my overall macro take on this question.
0: Buzz, I think you uh, summed it up very nicely. I, I I don't have any really hot sports opinions about this. I think we at least uh, between the three of us and people that listen have listened to this podcast for a long time, we all have a pretty solid sense of what Jesus is and what his strengths and weaknesses are. Um, and I, I it would be great to see them both on the field at the same time, and it did make me wonder if in if if the U.S. was to play the formation they played uh, against Canada and Jamaica, kind of that more of that four two three one they were playing uh, with Jesus playing in the role that Geo played in in those games. What would that look like? And and I even wonder that sometimes if Dallas could go out and get themselves a really kick ass more. Uh, Brandon Vasquez style nine, you know, could uh, Jesus fall back into more into a midfield role um, and and play that role for yeah. Dallas?
1: Well, the the system. If you really really feel like you need him to be a midfielder, and you really really feel like you need the four three three, depending on which version of it you want, you rotate that midfield. If you make him uh, a really high midfielder like like FC Dallas did with Siki and Subling uh, before Siki got hurt, where Really, they were almost running Siki like a second false nine where he and Jesus were taking turns going in and out of the box kind of thing. And they they were both designed to be moving forward and creating the same sort of chaos. You could do that kind of thing. You could even do it with Vasquez if you had him as the high nine and and Jesus, you know, if if you do want to do a 4-2-3-1, which is, as we say, a version of a 4-3-3, then you really would have to give Jesus a lot of freedom because what you don't want him to do... Is come back and be an eight and sit there alongside the six and play those roles that like a West and, and, and Musa do in the current national team. You really would have to change the tactic. You would have to be a much for your role. But but even if you did it the way, you can't expect him to do it the way uh, Giorena does it because Giorena, like Pulisic, picks the ball up and runs at people. Whereas Jesus doesn't do that. Jesus is a combiner and a, a tiki tacky player, and he and he and he runs those into those gaps but he doesn't do it with the ball. He's not a dribbler with the ball. So it would look very different. Yeah. Um, which, which, which brings me back again to the idea that like, it's just about tactics. You know, Brandon Vasquez is a great big bodied physical high striker. If you want that particular role for whatever reason, you're matching up against a team. He is great for that specific role. He's the guy that can put them back down. He can nod the balls off to guys that are running at these gaps. Right. This is why people think it would really really would be great if you could play him with Jesus doing that old school Jason Christ, uh, you know, Maradona, like right under that big striker kind of role. Um, You know, that that's where Jesus really flourishes is that movement just around the center backs, just maybe underneath the center backs, even at the top of zone 14, you know, maybe late those late runs into the box that crashing at the back post. You know, those are his uh, excel moments. It's not to say that either one of them is a better or worse player. I think they're both really good. They're just different players. They're different. They're very, very different players and styles. That doesn't mean Jesus is a midfielder, you know, just as there are guys that, you know, it's not the same position. I mean, he could do it, but it's like you've got other guys that are better at that. It's like, don't try and make him something he's not. If it's the right fit to play him, then play him. If it's not the right fit to plan then don't. I mean, it's pretty simple. Like national teams, you have pools of 200 players at their disposal. It's there's never going to be a locked in 11. You know, no, it's, no. But I do think yeah.
0: I understand why people get frustrated with the selection because there appears well, yeah. to be. I, I understand why people get frustrated by player selection. I also understand that people take the uh, this particular tournament, the Gold Cup. Uh, You know, everybody, everybody takes it seriously at different levels. I, 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 you know, in my mind, it's an opportunity to try out new, new combinations of younger players that don't normally get an opportunity. Uh, but I do think there's a it's, it's an interesting idea. Why can't they figure out how to get them both on the field at the same time? Um, and by the way, I thought Jesus had a fantastic game against Jamaica. He really got short shrifted by some terrible finishing. I thought he was a good connector. I thought he created a lot of up op- several really good chances for the team, uh, for other people to to uh, to finish, and they failed for him. Uh, but. Let's all not forget, it was Jesus that played the ball in that Vasquez eventually scored to tie the game.
1: Yeah, I think that, that it, the idea that he could be a connector is what get people get people fired up to make him a midfielder or whatever. And I think really you would have to, uh, as you suggested, do that midfielder rotation where he would be that higher player, but then give him some freedom. It would mean your wings would have to come a little bit deeper and do a little more defensive work. But if you gave him almost like a 4-4-1-1 kind of look, You know, that that in a modern system, your wings are pretty high. You know, there's there's not a whole lot of difference between those two shapes, you know, that that underneath probably could work pretty well, um, particularly against teams who aren't making you sit back in a low block. Now, if you if you're if if you're against a team that's pushing you way back, you know, like I don't know that it would work in the World Cup against the Dutch, but like playing the Guatemala or a. Or a bottle loop, you know, these may be some things that can work really well, well to try these other uh, things. Yeah,
0: I uh, Buzz, you're such a you're you're so smart and educated and understanding of all the tactics and minutiae of all this stuff. I think when you hear somebody say maybe Ferreira should be a midfielder it you you get bogged down into all of the how that actually yeah. happens. And I just think the average fan thinks, why can't we get these two guys on the field at the same time? And let hey, because by the way, I don't know if you noticed it during the Jamaica game, Jesus was spending an awful lot of time way back in the United States, half of the field running around yeah. in midfield. So I, I, and you and I and Dan see him do that all the time. Right. And again, I just assume that's Jesus doing Jesus things and drives the coach nuts. But if you're if you're somebody that doesn't see Jesus play very often, I can see why somebody just says, "Why isn't he just not playing in the midfield?"
1: Yeah, one of the things you can do, those, and those I appreciate those comments by the way. And one of the things you can do in the midfield is play sort of more like Philly, which is where they 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 run that what a lot of people might call a narrow diamond, or basically they flip their front line so they have two two guys and then a guy underneath, you know. Or you see these teams that play these box midfields now, where they have. They basically have two playmakers that are chunking in and out. I mean there's there's lots of modern tactical ways you could try and get those guys on the field at the same time. It's just that I, I just hate it when I see people talking about him like he's Weston McKinney or Paxton. It's like it's not yeah. it's not even remotely that same kind of right. Player. No, and, 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 and yeah. yeah,
0: I completely agree. And I think that's just a byproduct of somebody that doesn't really know him as a player. And, and, I mean, and I probably say things about other players that I don't know very well, and I'm sure if somebody goes, why does that guy on that podcast or radio show say it? <laughs> it's because like, I just don't watch that guy very often, you know? Um, well,
1: Dan, probably being an England fan, is probably seeing a whole lot more of this kind of, like, there's a lot of good guys for one or two positions, and how do you get some of them on the field at the same time? It's a tough question.
2: I mean, that was the whole uh, Lampard and Gerard thing yeah. for, what, 10 years? Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good comparison.
1: Yeah, I, I don't think that uh, Brandon or Jesus is like the answer at nine necessarily, not at this point, you know. Um, I definitely don't think there should, this is not a case where like one or those two or the other the guys should be like the starter for the rest of the Gold Cup. I honestly think the answer is that they're both equally valid, you know, and you're going to see both of them. There's something to be said for the value of having one guy start and the other guy come in later. You know, and bringing that change, whatever that whichever one it is, the other guy brings a change and can really confuse a team as they're tiring later in games. So there's a versatility and a value to both of those guys. And and I just push back when it's like when people want to make packs on a six because he puts in defensive effort. That doesn't mean he's a six man. No, <laughs> you know? but I do think I.
0: I mean, look, I, as a fan of the as a as a fan of the national team and looking at the roster and the players they have, I would like to see more Ferreira and Vasquez on the field at the same time. And I would invite the the, the coaching staff to figure out how to best get those two guys because I think Vasquez is a fantastic finisher, and I think Ferreira is a good creator um and and i you know we've talked about this on this pod before i don't think jesus is jesus is a very good nine in that traditional sense that's not my favorite thing to watch him do and and i think the only reason why we see it so much is just because dallas just doesn't have somebody else to play that position
1: well in in old school dallas terms he's he's jason yes or if you go back in old enough in a, in, a, in a U.S. team, he's Joe Max Moore, right? He's that, he's that old Oscar role, the tweener role, which is why he's a little bit of a facilitator, but it's the same thing, like if you try and take Jason and put him way back in midfield, you lose all the things that make Jason great. It's the same thing with Jesus. If you take him back in the midfield, he needs to be up there within range of the box. If he'll back, so stay both, up there. <laughs> if he'll stay up there, yeah. That's a whole different thing. That's a whole different thing. You know, and Jesus is two years younger, too, but that doesn't really matter in this conversation. We're talking about which ones, which choices would you make with them in the game? And honestly, with Morris hurt, right? Isn't Jordan Morris potentially out for this yeah, game? I think he's out, yeah. I mean, yeah, maybe there's some ways that they might look at. I think he's uh, out for the tournament,
0: actually. I think they're trying uh, he to, might try be. to replace him. know it's him, yeah. not
1: really good. But, you know, th- this is a different kind of roster. And missing him now, it's like, okay, maybe we need to make some alternative kind of I- ideas about this team. And maybe there will be in some ways. Because, you know, I mean, Zendaya's looked pretty decent, but Sonora did not. So maybe there's some alterations that have to happen across the field that'll mean different things. So um, hmm. it's a fascinating question. And I-, I actually love to talk about these kind of topics because. You know, there's reasons why both are valid, and both of them are really good. And as long as you don't try and put, "Hey, back there next to Tyler Adams," I'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey Dan, did you were you a uh,
0: a Lampard and or Gerard fan? Did you choose one over? Did you uh,
2: pledge allegiance to one over the other? No. Nah, no, I mean, I definitely uh, always kind of wondered if you could put. Gerard in underneath Lampard, but uh, you know it was just good to watch two high quality players in one position group.
0: It was.
1: All- yeah, I, Dan, I know you don't watch the national team as much as uh, maybe some of us who are actually American, American. American <laughs> but I mean, Dan, I think Dan's American now. You know what I mean? Um, uh, you know, do, do you have a take on this Jesus? Uh, you know, nine thing. Do you think he's a chance? He could be a good midfielder.
2: I think, like you said, it kind of takes away. The best parts of his game, um, you know, his his urgency to get forward with those progressive runs and those progressive passes is kind of what what helps him link up and, you know, uh, yeah, I think I think that I think you would kind of uh, hamstring him slightly to. To almost put that restriction on him, okay? You're a midfielder. You're going to get up to like zone 14, and then you're just going to stop. Uh, that's that's not his his game.
0: Hmm. Well, we're recording this on Wednesday, so uh, we have uh, obviously later on this evening is the next US game against Saint Kitts and Nevis, and so we'll uh, we'll we'll find out. <clears throat> maybe Jesus, I'm assuming Jesus is going to play again tonight. Who knows? I I, I have no. No idea what they've got planned. I'd like to see
1: Brian Vittles go in the field. That'd be nice for, for us. It's his
0: birthday. It is his birthday.
1: Yeah. How cool would that be?
0: Is he like uh, 12 today <coughs> or something? How old is Brian oh, now? Oh, gosh. Is he 20-something?
1: Uh, yeah. 20, know, any? That's... Is he 20 yet? I'm, I'm Googling really fast. He's actually 22. So, oh. Wow. Time flies. Time oh, to fly. retire. As of today. Yeah, he's <laughs> a 2001 baby.
0: All right. Uh, very good. Well, happy birthday to Big Brian. Uh, and Big hopefully, Bad Brian. Oh, excuse me, Big Bad Brian. I hope. Yeah. Tonight, B-B-B. B-B-B, yeah I hope he gets to to play tonight. Um. Okay. So here we are. Uh. We also, since we started recording this, have seen the official word that Tata Martino is uh, coming in to coach. Uh, inter Miami, we know that the inter Miami machine is getting built and constructed as we speak. and there's all sorts of player signings and I know i'm I'm starting to get the sense within Buzz your Discord and other uh, Dallas socials that uh, the fan base is getting a little a little anxious. Do you do you for do you uh, that Dallas is going to go out and make any other changes?
1: Well, I talked to Coach uh, Nico Stevens about that today, and he says that they have the ability to add another player or two. Uh, I think it's pretty clear that they're still looking. You know, he, he did double down on this take that he's had for, uh, you know, some time now, which is we're not going to do it just to do it. It's like if we don't find the right player, then we'll wait. Um, they're relatively happy, I think, with their roster for this season. Granted, I think that the distinction has to be made that when it's healthy – You know, I I think this is this idea that they've pressed hard on, that it takes time to change the roster, to to process and all that stuff. You know, they're not going to look to just willy-nilly make a move just to make a move, but they are still actively looking. And and that was discussion after the fact that they've already brought in this other player, Eugene Ansa. So he's talking about one or two more players. So they, they, they do have their fingers out there. They are looking. Um, I don't think that they'll vary deeply from the p- plan, which is what, you know, from the beginning of the year, talking about potentially a center back. Um, I, it's just not going to be anything revolutionary. You know, they're, they're, they have too much money tied up in too many players already that they, they, they aren't made doing squat. With. Yeah, Paul Ariola and LeJet and well, and Jesus, of course, has got a lot of money in him and a lot of money in Alan Velasco. So, like, they've sort of got their – they do have the ability to get a DP. But I don't think – uh, by making Paul, cause right now, Paul Ariel, that technically fills that last DP spot. They just don't, what they would do is ex- execute a buy down on him mm-hmm. and then he would not be a DP. So they could, if they really felt like they needed to go out and get somebody, but I think they're so missing the Tam gam that they need. They need the sell on from Pepe to come in. They need potentially something with Che to come in, uh, you know, or whoever else they might possibly move out, you know? So, um, I don't expect massive, humongous, like oh my god, or shaking messy kind of move this summer. Yeah,
0: I, I do wonder, and I uh, because I think we all know that Clark Hunt runs this thing in a very balance the books kind of way, and. Uh, and let's all just recognize that the one time they went out and spent a lot of money is shortly after making a lot of money. Yeah. And so I, the, the question I'm at, I'm thinking about is, do you think they had to uh, greatly alter their plans? They had something in, planned and in place to go make a significant purchase. But the fact that Justin Che didn't or hasn't yet been sold for any kind of money caused them to pivot and go someplace else.
1: I think that's one of the reasons why they were, they had to wait. So this this summer was to accumulate some more of that stuff. But they've had enough things happen. I think that they can they can you know since we're now seeing Pepe on the verge of moving on, um, we've now seen possibly um, uh, maybe Che will move on or not. Um, you know I think there won't be a problem if they need to pull the trigger. They'll be able to come up with to get it done. But um, that they probably can't do that. That's where I think they're going to be limited in the caliber, what they can do. I think they'll have enough wherewithal to get that one Tam kind of signing, which is a, you know, under a million bucks kind of signing, something in the neighborhood of your, your hopefully a better skill set, but in the neighborhood of a Facundo or Guignan or, or a Jose Martinez, you know, that, that seven, eight, $900,000 player, hopefully that can be a player that can be of a good enough caliber um, to make good, I, what I don't think you're going to see is the, the 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 kind of third DP of yeah. a million dollar price with because then you also need to do something with areola. So then there's like a double component, and then it's now that's much more expensive. They don't have that kind of wherewithal right now. Um, I think come next come next winter when they make whatever the next phase of their roster build is, I think you'll see they'll have more flexibility, and then they'll we'll be able to do that. So I just I just can't imagine it's now. And I think even from the beginning of the year, it never was going to be now that they were going to do that DP level kind of move. I think that's why they've left Areola as that DP because that reduces his cap number and all that kind of stuff. And it gets them these other things happen to your roster when you have that third DP filled, you know, because this team's carried more than three DPs for technically speaking for like a decade now, you know, they always have six, seven, eight guys that technically would qualify for that. They just buy them down and reduce them with that tam gam kind of stuff. That funny money—it's all semantics. And this is the complication of rosters. That's kind of stupid in this league. But um, short—the sure, short—the short version of what I just said was basically like: don't expect a big splash. Expect you know a one solid piece. Maybe if they can find it, it's not easy to find because um, left center backs—if that's still the play—and I think it is—are very difficult to find.
0: Yeah, if you were expecting a big purchase, you haven't been paying attention to the <laughs> last 28 years. No. Uh, uh, yeah. Uh, and, and and related to that, Buzz, is the fact that we've joked for quite some time that Dallas, despite the results, somehow inevitably always seemed to be in fourth place. But lo and behold, since we last spoke, Dallas is now down into seventh place. They're four points away from dropping out of the playoff uh, spots. And it does now start to feel like with the fact that it, when you name kind of the the five main attacking players between Ferreira and Velasco and Ariola and Leggett, uh, you're not getting you're not getting any production out of any of those guys other than Jesus. The, the, the wheels have started to come a little loose and wobbly on this thing a little bit. And I'm wondering based on going to training today, have you had a conversation with coach about that and what his particular vibe is about the rest of the season?
1: Well, I'll tell you, funny enough, um, it turns out that in terms of how you schedule games and count games, the St. Louis game, you know, that, that was the win a couple of weeks ago doesn't count as a couple of weeks ago. It actually counts way back when it actually started. So technically Dallas is on a four-game losing streak, which I believe is the franchise record. So they're going into this game with a chance to break the franchise record for consecutive losses, I believe, um, at five, if they don't manage to win. Um, and the problem, of course, is you're playing LAFC and the and the two teams that are near you in the standings, um, underneath you in the standings are Austin and Vancouver, both play teams that are way behind you in the standing. So um, there's a legitimate, although I think they're on the road. So there's a legitimate chance that Dallas could come out of this this next weekend's games and be out of the playoffs. Um, uh, you know, the vibe around the team and the vibe around the coaching staff from being out there today was definitely like a resignation that they know that the the, 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 the hand they've been dealt, you know, the unfortunateness of all these injuries coming at one time has, has really handcuffed them considerably. It's not just that some of them are all at the same position. It's that it all happened at once. And it's all guys that are you expected to be reliable and get paid quite a bit of money and are expected to score goals for you. And then on top of that, Jesus being gone. So they know it's just a really awful confluence. They're trying to remain pretty positive and trying to go out the game tactically and, and make some decisions about how they think they can get a result. You know, they are playing for results. They're not playing for fun, you know, and they know it. So... I don't think anyone's worried for a job or anything, but I, de- I definitely think that they know that they're they got some uphill sledding ahead of them, um, and you can see uh, you could see from some of the things they were doing in training that they, they understand that, you know, like for example, Sam Junka played wing throughout the whole training session today and not left back. They brought up um, Tyshawn Tysha Rose from North Texas to play left back in training, so just as an example of how Junka's had to play wing a whole lot lately, yeah. you know, and probably will have to again. Uh, in this game, whether it be starter or off the bench, I wouldn't expect them to start, but off the bench, you know. So it's it's a it's a tough spot they're in, and, and they know it is. And and um, I think they're trying to figure out how to get a result against a team that's usually better than. Well, you. not to dogpile
0: on the stat that you threw out. Not only are they uh, on a four-game losing streak, they're winless in their last six. Because if you remove the St. Louis game, the last time they actually won a game in sequence was the Vancouver game way back when I think at the beginning of May. Uh, yeah. So it's been quite a while. I, I, you did catch me off guard by that stat. So you're saying the record losing streak for Dallas, yeah, in 27 years is four? Really? I think,
1: yeah, I think they're. I believe that they're tied. This is what I was talking to somebody at the PR office about it. That they're currently tied at four straight losses. You know, because you get ties and you play home games. You know, it's rarely do you piece together long losing streaks and this franchise has been relatively good Uh, people like to trash it but it's like we joke all the time they're better than you think they've been relatively good most years and so i I, what i was told today was that they're currently tied on four consecutive losses for the franchise record and they'll break the record if they lose now double check me when the notes come out because it was just off cut the conversation right yeah it's uh you know for whether it is the record or not it's in the conversation and that's what matters. It's like, this is definitely one of the worst streaks this club's ever had. And it's not anyone's fault. You know, it's the nature of this league that the rosters are shallow. Could they have done a better job? And, and I even asked coach if he regretted going with a little more shallow roster. And, you know, and he, he basically said not, in essence, said not really. It's because it was just this absolute confluence of nuts, injuries, all many in the same position and the same talent load that just derailed you in a way it was almost unforeseeable. But then again, that's why you run deeper rosters for insurance. Yeah.
0: Well, uh, all right. Yeah, because, uh, you know, to your point, Buzz, they got the game again on Saturday against LAFC. uh, Then the July 4th game just a few days later against DC and then on the road at a place they never play well, Colorado, uh, and then a road game to Seattle. And then, um, and maybe by the time you get Jesus back, and who knows how worn out he's going to be by then, a road game to Philadelphia.
1: Yeah, well, this is what happens, right? I mean, there have been some, and late in the Lucci season, we had the same thing. We were looking at how brutal the series, these these schedules are. It's like you got to win these games, yeah, man. man. It's like this you're playing in a league of parity. Like everybody is pretty good. Yeah, It is, you know. So every week, there are no there there aren't for for teams like FC Dallas in particular, and I would say for anybody in this league, even LAFC in Seattle can't they, they don't have these games where it's like Man City versus. Southampton, and they can rotate the whole team. You know, you don't have those kinds of moments in this league. Every weekend, every game is competitive. You can lose to anybody all the time. Yeah, and so you know, it's, it's a grind. It's going to be a grind. You know, and and when we get down to the health stuff later, there's some positive news, but we'll, you know, it's it's not going to be easy. <laughs> yeah,
0: it is funny because if you really, I mean, just just to drive your point your point home. After the Philly game, home game Atlanta, on the road St. Louis. I'm not Atlanta, excuse me. Home game to Austin, on the road to St. Louis, home game Atlanta, home game Seattle, at the road on the road Salt Lake, Columbus, at Houston, and then you finish the season with Colorado, San Jose, and at the galaxy.
1: Yeah, it's not till October that you get any kind of break. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> And that's only because L.A. is terrible and Colorado is terrible. San Jose is decent. So, yeah, it's not easy, It's
0: built to be uh, driven by parity, and that certainly is the case. Well, I didn't
1: ask him about Interliga, but I can't imagine that they're going to go full boat on Interliga. Oh, I didn't
0: even think about that. Um, I'm sorry,
1: not Interliga. League's (laughs) Cup. League's Cup. Yeah. Now, I know that the club's trumpeting this whole, like, you might get to see Messi thing, (laughs) but, man, if it's one thing they don't need is more yeah. games so right now right i mean they need games off they need a break let's get some guys healthy so
0: yeah we should yeah. i probably talk about that for a second because in your discord that was certainly a hot topic which was mm. the email that went out to season ticket holders essentially pointing a giant gun at everybody saying hey there's this weird Confluence of alignment of stars where haste, uh, where enter uh, Miami may have to come to town and play Dallas. Yeah. Uh, and by the way, Messi may be playing with them. So, if you want to make sure that you have seats for that game, you got to do X, Y, and Z. And I and yeah. I and I get that it was probably built on the fact that they they don't have a ton of control over how that is sold or scheduled. But once again, it's one of those deals where we look at how this club communicates to its fan base, its hardest core fans. And you're like, could you not have thought about a different way of saying that or the tone of it it, or the way you present it and not make it sound like you're holding them hostage?
1: Yeah, I kind of understand it in the sense of like the way the club functions where it's like if there's going to be this third game, they don't want to have it be out of nowhere. And then all of a sudden you have to, you're having to try and get, Oh, I want my seat, but it's the messy game. You know? So it's like, yeah. I, I kind of get the math of what they are doing and the logistics of what they're doing. But that email was atrocious and it was horribly worded. And I, like all the season ticket ticket holders that I know were almost offended by it, <laughs> you know? So it's like, it's it's sometimes this club will shoot itself in the foot, you know. It's just some bad messaging, and and then hopefully they can clean it up some. No,
0: I have season ticket holder friends that are really uh, even keeled about all this stuff. You know, they're not in the discord. They go to the games. They've been season ticket holders for a really long time, but they never get to uh, you know, upset or bothered by too much, but even they thought that particular email was pretty ridiculous. Yeah. And they're like, yeah, I mean, uh, and again, you know, look, if, if, if your business is selling tickets, you've got to figure out a way to, to maximize the opportunity, which is messy coming to town. And I get that, but I, you know, for all the advancements yeah. this club has made in working with the fan base, that was uh, that is still definitely a soft spot in the
1: skull yeah I, I I don't know that they ran that email up the right chain of command and got somebody that's a better writer involved. you know when you when you're doing that kind of rollout, maybe maybe get some PR people involved or something yeah, cause
0: what was the yeah. the insistence was if you want tickets, you had to buy all you had to buy the potential for you had to buy all the league's cups games tickets in advance, and you had to go ahead and re-up for
1: 2024 is that what the demand was the requirement i think it's if you wanted to have your seat for the messy game the hypothetical messy game you had to buy the whole thing up front you you had to pay
0: for it up front yeah and you had to pre and you had to re-up for 2024 your season tickets i thought too wasn't it
1: Possibly, I didn't pay that close of attention to oh, the details okay. because I wasn't going to buy it. Because I'm not going to be here.
0: <laughs> oh, you're not. Okay. No,
1: but I just remember that like the demanding of it was the part that I know people got seem to get upset about. Yeah, I think I think you're right about the re-upping thing. I don't. Have it's funny.
0: Well, because this is funny because on the radio show uh last weekend, Tyler was filling in for Andy. And he and I had this whole conversation about this idea of Messi coming to town and I asked him I said how much money I mean Tyler are you he's not a season ticket holder and I asked him how much he'd pay to see Messi play Dallas in a meaningful game and and we had this back and forth about how much what the value of that was and I think his limit was like 300 bucks and I had to admit that my Jesus, that's a lot. What happened there?
2: Oh so Jesus that's a lot.
0: Well then hold on to your hat because I, I, I said on the show that I, I don't know what my cap is because I'm not a season ticket holder, I don't have a media pass. If I'm gonna the idea of getting to see the world's greatest player play my team, like this is, this is the team that I consider nearest and dearest to my heart in our home stadium, like, like the value of that to me and a good seat is astronomical and I, I, I'm embarrassed to admit the amount of money I'd be willing to pay to see that game.
1: Yeah, everyone's got their own different valuation of it. I, I think some of the misunderstanding is basically that FC Dallas is lumping the whole oh. Leagues Cup into one bit, and so you have to buy every ticket all the way to the final. So you're looking at like six or seven tickets that you have to buy, and, so, and you have to put all the money down at once you know if you want your seat otherwise you're going to be Yeah but you get that with, money back
0: though if it, if it doesn't happen right I mean I
1: would assume that you do but or maybe that's the thing it's like oh we'll apply that money to next season uh. maybe that's what the season thing is coming in but the so looking at the email basically the bit is like you have to be renewed for 2024 if you want to do this that's the part it doesn't say that you you have to renew now if you want that it's like if you're not already renewed basically and, and the knockout games aren't played if the, if these cup games aren't played then your money will roll over to 2024 so basically that's they're they're saying if you want the, the to be able to get the messy game you have to buy every interleague interleague league's cup game
2: <laughs> through the
1: potentially the championship which is like 5 rounds 5 knockout rounds uh, okay so you're looking at a couple hundred bucks probably depending on where your seat is right right and you're not going to get your money back we're gonna roll your seat over the money over to 2024 because you, in order to do this, you have to already be a member. So uh I think the idea is that there's not going to be hardly any if this does go forward and, and there isn't messy game. You're not looking at like a general public sale. It's like everything's going to go to, you know, I don't know what. But it says in here there's not going to be a public. S- Sale of these tickets. I'm sure there's,
0: I'm sure an FC Dallas salesperson's listening to this, punching their dashboard because we're butchering it, but in all the details. My point being is, Buzz, is that for all the money they're asking you to pay for an imaginary potential game, my reality is, is if in fact that game was going to happen. I would be willing to spend an ass load of money to make sure that I'm going to be in that stadium to see Messi play Dallas in a meaningful yeah. game. That's all. I just, like, I don't know how anybody wouldn't, I mean...
1: Were you able to define the total for you? Do you have like a specific number or is it like just Oh, i i, I no I'm not.
0: I'm, well, I don't want to say the number out loud because then somebody with a ticket will try a get me to pay <laughs> that for it. But, I, you know, I, I've spent a lot of a on tickets of in my past to go see things that I really wanted to go see either concert wise or, or, or sporting event wise. or or And to be able to, I mean, guys, it's Lionel Messi playing in a, it's not a friendly, it's not an exhibition, it's a game that means something, and he's playing in Toyota Stadium against Dallas. Like, that to me, the
1: value of that is off the charts. Yeah, I guess I'm different then, I don't really... That doesn't ring your bell the same way? I mean, it'll be on TV. So, I mean, I'm going to be out of state anyway, but, um, you know, I... I think it's phenomenal that Messi's coming to this league, but like seeing him play Dallas in person, in person doesn't. I mean, I, I, I'm assuming that over the next two or three years, I'm, I'm gonna, I'll get a chance to see him in person. I see. I was much more moved by him winning the World Cup with Argentina.
0: I would make the argument: there's a really high chance you may never get to see him play in Dallas if he doesn't play if yeah. this game doesn't happen, because it's unlikely that they'll get scheduled a home game in Dallas against Miami. By the time he's done in in the two and a half years he's contracted to play for Miami, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, you, you might be right. I guess it just doesn't bother me that much. You know, I I don't put that big of a stock in seeing it in person versus seeing it on TV. Huh? You know, TV's pretty good. Um, I mean, I, I like to go in person because I like to watch Division One soccer in person. Yeah, but I don't. I don't have. I don't have those stronger feelings about particular matchups, you know, or games, you know. I mean, like I would put a lot more value in trying to go see FC Dallas win an MLS Cup than I would oh, them play. Messi. Sure,
0: yes, and you know, I I, I agree. And the amount of money I'd pay to be at an MLS Cup game that Dallas was playing in, uh, again, off the charts. But. Um, yeah. Messi is such a once-in-a-lifetime thing. I mean, if – well, so maybe Dallas win an MLS <laughs> Cup game. Yeah. And I've already had that one in Toronto.
1: Well, it's from your reaction. It sounds like they were perfectly smart to do it the way they're doing it. Well,
0: you, know. I, I, well, you mean the club, the way that they've rolled out the – I'm – the plan isn't the problem. It's the yeah. it's how they it explained the it yeah. to you. It, it, it literally felt like, "Hey, we're going to point this money gun at your head, and mm-hmm. and unless you do this, 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 and this, you're just going to miss out on this huge opportunity." Now, as somebody like me, I'm not a season ticket holder. I don't know if so. I guess the question is, I'm since Peter's not a season ticket holder. And let's say the magic confluence and, and happens and the stars align and inter-Miami is coming to play Dallas and leagues cup in Toyota stadium. How do I get a ticket to that game? Do I have to go buy somebody's season ticket for an exorbitant price?
1: Yeah. I don't think you're getting one aftermarket. <laughs> well, no, it'll
0: probably have to be. A, I mean, I don't think they're yeah. going to do single game seats. Are they?
1: I, I don't, that's what it sounds like in the email. I don't want to speak for them, but that's what it sounds like. Here's, You're going to be on the aftermarket.
2: Here's the thing. Um, do you remember when they dropped the capacity and they were convinced they would never have to sell a single season, a single game ticket all season because everything would be sold out? No, and sure enough, it wasn't. <laughs> yeah. Right? I mean, they, 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 they always get ahead of themselves and say, oh, we're going to sell out, we're going to sell out, and they don't. And, you, you know, the clubs put a, a great amount of sellouts together through a lot of walk-up sales through a lot of single game sales, but not through people locking into season tickets. Yeah,
0: yeah. I still think that that's, I mean, you know, with all the advancements they've made in the last season and a half with attendance, I am interested in knowing what the increase in the Im- number of season ticket sales they've made over the same amount of time. Like, is this increase in attendance based on walk-up? Is it group sales? Is it non-traditional? Is it season tickets? I don't know. Do you guys
1: know? I would assume it's all those things that, like you know, just the percentage of everything has gone up.
0: Sure, you know. but is it is it equitable across the board, or have they had a significant yeah. increase in season ticket? Because you know, we all know that's the that's the that's the oh, real yeah. prize. That's the touchdown, not the field goal. Yeah. to use a terrible they have zero analogy, just
1: single sell tickets. Uh, I, I, you know, I, I really, I, I would be guessing. I honestly have no idea. Yeah. I just see the impact in the stands, and I know something's happening. You know, I, just, I would assume it was relatively equitable across everything. Yeah,
0: all I know is there's uh, some people listening to this pod that are immediately saying all right if this game happens the first person i'm calling is yep. peter and holding him hostage for <laughs> however much money yep. he wants to give me for my seat, for my ticket to the you, game you now
1: set the bar at a high price for whatever <laughs> whatever you're trying to get to i screwed myself <laughs> i'd give you mine if i had one but well
0: i, I just see buzz i'm blown away that you wouldn't want to m- make the best effort possible to go be there for that momentous occasion
1: I, I i'm not criticizing put, you i'm just yeah. surprised
0: because you spend the money to have season tickets because of that particular value to you and yeah. i don't so I, I it's weird how it's reversed for this one particular thing although i probably end up spending 4x what you spend on an entire season of tickets to go watch one game yeah
1: well i'm more interested in the fc the house as a collective whole the whole thing the whole season yeah I'm not interested necessarily in one particular. I mean, I, I do enjoy every game, but, you know, there, there aren't games on the schedule where I go, ooh, LA Galaxy's coming to town. I'm going to go see Beckham. You know, I don't care. I mean, I'm here for the SC Dallas. I'm not the other team. So, like, I, Messi doesn't move. The I, Listen, I think Messi's the greatest player of all time, but I've seen Messi play. See, i have never seen him 15, play. Well, not in person, but I've watched him on TV for 15 years. And, like, oh. seeing him in person makes no difference to me.
0: I just it doesn't see that really. Blo- that catches. See, I think if there was ever a person that I know that would uh have a, a, a run with the opinion of until you see a player in person, you really don't know what they're capable of. It would be you.
1: What I usually say about that is, you, you need to stand on the sideline, like a foot from the field, yeah. and see how fast okay. they are. But you know, I I I know that, <laughs> so it's like. I understand why other people get excited about it, and I, and I would and I would understand the idea of like the the value people would place on, and and I understand your value you place on this. I understand the value of people that like would pay twenty five thousand dollars for a World Cup final ticket or a hundred thousand or two hundred thousand or whatever it is. <laughs> I I get it. I don't personally feel that way. Right. Well, you know, uh, just for the I mean, record,
0: so anybody is writing down a plan to contact me. <laughs> no, I'm not willing to spend five digits <laughs> to go see Messi at Toyota Stadium. I do, I do have a. Uh, I mean, there's a price, but it isn't that kind of price. Well, every
1: you know, once in a while, you hear crazy stories about some dude that paid, you know, ridiculous amounts of money for this, that, or the other. Thing. Right. You know, and and, and I, I I certainly would enjoy watching Messi play against FC Dallas, but it's not something I would pay extra money for. Mm. You know, not like that kind of extra money. I I'm, I, I might be like a hundred bucks maybe, but that's, all
0: right. You know. Well, that's a lot of talk about something that is almost certainly never going to happen. Yeah, so, let me get cut down. Uh, <laughs> there you go. All right. So you did go to training today, Buzz. You got to talk to people. You got to see things. And you even promoted in a tease on the socials earlier today that you had some news about mm. particular players. So please go yeah. forth with your training report.
1: Well... Before I do the ones that I, that I was teasing in the video, what I will tell you is that uh, Coach Nico Seves clarified for me that Dante Sealy cannot be added to the team until the transfer window opens July 5th, which I was surprised to find out because I assumed that he was already an FC Dallas player so that the minute he showed up after his contract, his loan ended, which is the 31st, that he'd be able to be right in the lineup, and that's not the case. It's It has to do with the fact that he wasn't, since his loan was like three years long he was never on the roster basically for this season at all Mm. so they basically have to because they had no right of recall right so he was never on the roster so they have to wait for the winner to add him which is kind of weird um so he's here Dante Sealy, and he is participating and actively trying to win a spot and and you know coach said that he has to decide what he wants to do be here or try to go somewhere else or whatever justin Shea is not here Coach says Justin Shea does not want to be here. He wants to be in Europe. The coach
0: actually has said this out loud.
1: Well, what he said to me, I said, and we're not going to see Justin say, he said, no, Justin wants to be in Europe. And I was like, okay. So uh, you're not going to see Justin Shea unless something goes sideways big time. Yeah. So Justin's not. Dante's here working hard, trying to give himself options. Justin is not doing that. So. It doesn't mean we won't see Justin Che at some point, but it means that he absolutely does not. We're never seen to be back here. He wants to be in Europe. Yeah. So, if we yeah, ever Justin, see Justin
0: Che play for Dallas, it'll be when he's thirty-six. Yeah,
1: I don't think you'll ever see player again. Uh
0: and by the way, that means uh, Dante Ceeli's if if in fact we were to potentially see him return in a Dallas shirt, his first game will be at altitude against Colorado. <laughs> Poor yeah. kid. <laughs> yeah, well,
1: I doubt he would walk in on July 5th and be and be part of the mix, but um, you know, he, he is he is potentially possible in addition come July 5th. Okay. All right, so the good news part is that they're two players returned to training to today. Uh, one of them got they both went the whole day um, and one of them it was their first day and that those two players are Pax and Pomele and Siki and Sebling. Wow, so both of those players will be questionable this weekend pending going through the week without getting hurt. That means that both of them probably almost certainly will be on the bench available for selection based on what I saw. you know they both looked fine they both came through training you know, and and are, they should be available if they clear the rest of the week without a setback. So now coach, of course, did say that they want to be careful with those guys and you're not going to see them thrown on immediately. And, and you know, I, I wouldn't shock me as normal that he makes them come off the bench for this first game, you know, and, and they don't want to. They're more interested in the long term than the short term, even though they're bleeding bodies. Mm-hmm. Um, Sebastian Legette, however, you know, played last week. And I expect him to start. Uh, coach said that they want to get 60 minutes out of him. So that's a player that, to me, sounds like we will be starting. He looked pretty good today in training, so that's that's good. That that provides you an actual eight, you know, going from zero eights to one eight is good. So that gives you options in midfield with what you're going to do. Um, Paul Areola, he said, would be they targeting the Seattle game, which is amazing to me. That's the fifteenth. Good lord. So yeah, you're still looking. And Paul was out. That's doing four rehab games work from today. now. Uh, yeah. When, when when did he get hurt? Oh, I don't remember. Dan, do you remember when he got hurt?
2: May 13th. Which was? Yeah,
1: so it'll be over a month.
2: Was this, Two months. Was that the
0: St. Louis? No, the Portland game. Austin. Oh, the 22nd.
1: Okay. Yeah, so, so that, uh, one, two, he, that's three, the current four, target is the, is the Seattle game, which is the 15th. Um, and it probably, of course, that would be off the bench, and that's if all goes well. And He was doing some pretty aggressive rehabbing on the side, putting on a good sweat. But,
0: Wait, um, hold on, hold on a sec. You said yep. May the fourteenth. He so he's been out one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight games already. Nine, ten, eleven. That'll be eleven games out of a thirty-something game season. That's a third of the season he will have missed.
1: Yeah,
0: it happens. Boy, that sucks. All right. Yep.
1: yep. Um, and then no sign at all of Jimenez or Imituamasi. So I don't have any information about them. But not. <laughs> Not even you know, not even out doing whatever on the side. So, um, can we have, have we
0: ever uh, d- decided yet that we can officially call the trade of uh, Cervania for Jimenez a total bust yet?
1: Yeah, I mean, I suppose it depends on what he does the rest of the year, but it's certainly not looking super. Positive. Well,
0: you could have no. absolutely used Brandon during this stretch of time with the injury oh, well, situation.
1: Yeah. That's certainly true. Yeah, I mean you can't.
0: I mean you've gotten a you've gotten a a, a bowlful and nothing out of Jimenez, and you've had an injury situation where you absolutely could have used him. That to me, at least at this point, unless something dramatically changes, uh, is a total bust.
1: Yeah, that's a little bit you know hindsight. I don't think that's really fair. I don't. The, the, the trade certainly has not benefited Dallas. I think that's perfectly fair to say that. Okay. Yeah, I don't, I don't know that. You know, at the time, Brandon was way down on the bench and not even remotely close to playing. So it's like, you know, you could and they needed a striker. So I don't blame him at all. Come on, Buzz, let me throw a bomb or two. Yeah, I mean, you can. That's a good take. I'll give you that. I just I'm I'm not going to be too upset about the deal, even if it pans out that Jimenez does nothing. The you know the calculation at the time still made sense to me. Okay, it's hard to blast somebody for that kind of calculation.
0: All right, so uh, so moving into the game on Saturday, do you have an official lineup prediction?
1: No legit makes the VM back in makes things, uh, potentially different. You know, that's where you can do some things. They have O'Brien, um, also available, of course, off of his yellow card suspension. So the, the MVP is back. The best player um, on the team is the back. best players on the team is back. <laughs> yep. Um, you know, he continues to do good things. You know, I uh, I would imagine that, um, against LAFC, you know, they'll probably try and, play a little bit of a block and get out them with some pace, you know, since they have O'Brien, they have, I don't know, Camungo, you know, they have, they have some ability to get forward, you know, in transition. That's when they're the best. They're always at their best in transition. So they always want to try and in LA center backs are not exactly quick. So maybe you look at some of those kind of guys up top, you know, an O'Brien, a Camungo, I don't, I'm not saying Bernie's going to start, but O'Brien should, um, Velasco will still be out there. Um, you know, I, which formation you see will be interesting because if you're going to be if you're going to be blocking, you know, do you want to try and have a wide shape or a more narrow shape? You know, does Sam Junka actually make some sense starting if you're trying to play defensive, you know? I, I don't know. There's lots of weird possibilities, honestly. I'm, I'm sorry, Jose Martinez also was missing from training, so I think you have to assume he's out still too. So, I mean, Safari and Ibiaga are obvious. far fans obvious. Giovanni, you don't have much choice at this point, at right? Colin Smith's gone, so Facundo, Edwin, and Leggett in the midfield,
2: hmm.
1: O'Brien, Velasco, and I don't even know what up uh, top. Yeah, <laughs> with those guys,
0: you know. And then they got to turn around three days later and play a July Fourth night game on a Tuesday against DC United. We haven't even gotten, in, I mean, not even far enough to think about how they manage with this smaller roster two games in essentially three days is just brutal.
1: Well, the week off really helps that, you know, you have guys that can do a little better, you know, that's one reason why you don't want to press legit too far past 60 minutes, maybe because, you know, you do, you are going to need him pretty heavily going forward. You know, they're going to be having the same roster problems they've had all along. You know, you're going to need guys to play minutes, you know, you're going to need dudes come off the bench and contribute, you know, or else you're not going to get any results. Yeah. It's just getting Leggett back, even though he looks like he's a little mentally more with it. As Coach says, sometimes when you're out injured, that can really wake you up a little bit. You know, get your brain like, oh, I got to get back and get at it. You know, so hopefully we'll see a good Leggett. You know, you're still going to be missing. You're not getting Asus back. You're not getting Jimenez back. You know, you got Milato, but he's not really a guy so far that Coach trusts, you know. You don't you don't have a whole lot of options available without there's there's still relatively bad. It's up. all crappy buzz. The whole thing's just really crappy. Well, I it is good news. You you are gonna have Seeky and Paxton off the bench, you know, I think. And if they come through a thirty minute performance, then you could look at maybe having them available for you on Tuesday. Mm. So, you know, depending on how they each go. And and we saw how good both those guys have played and were playing right for the end. You know, Seeky was playing really well before he got hurt. So
0: and last but not least, real quickly, before we end this uh, kit talk, they unveiled the Marvel combo mashup uh, pre-game jerseys today, which to me were ridiculous. It's a Captain America design that is intended to camouflage the sponsor of every club in MLS. Huh. <laughs> yeah, that ain't good. Uh So will you be buying one of those, Buzz? No. Okay.
1: I don't buy pregame kits to be, you know, training really. kits. Not your thing. No, I don't train kits. Yeah. I don't get pregame kits. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I have a couple that I've collected. People have given them to me, but I've never bought one. So, uh, so
0: the so is the and Dan maybe you know more about this. Is the Marvel partnership going to result in some one-off game-worn jersey that each club gets that's bespoke to them, or is it just this training
2: kit? I think it's just the training kit. Okay. All right. Very good,
0: Dan checking in from yeah. the Arctic North. <laughs> yes. Mike, is rough. That's hilarious. Should laugh. At him. But I like it when it comes on that way. It sounds like we yeah. got a a guy in a in a control room. <laughs> <laughs> in a nuclear station <laughs> that's option. that's kick-ass I love it uh all right well uh because that makes me laugh so much this is where I'm gonna tell Dan thanks so much for participating in the show I hope you have a fantastic holiday weekend sir
2: Submit a bit cold up here <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> Don't ever fix that wire, Dan. Don't ever fix the that. oh no, wire. That's fix awesome. It, yeah. And Buzz, I hope you get to do something yeah. fun this weekend, to Don't blow your fingers off, okay?
1: Oh, I'm going to the LFC game. Uh, that's going to be fun. All right, uh, we- <laughs> uh, before, before we say goodbye, oh. I just wanted to give a shout out to Dylan Lacey, who was named to the uh, MLS Next Cup Playoffs Best 11, oh, cool. which covers all age groups. So that's kind of a big deal. That's not just U 19. It's all the yes, great they yes, have. So it's... credit to Dylan Lacey. And
0: they got knocked out by the revolution.
1: They did a good run though. Although the semis, man, that's a good run. Was that, that further was... along than you expected? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And well, no, uh, it's about what I expected actually, but that's the second straight year. They've lost in the semis to the revolution who are pretty good. So, um, it's about par, you know, there's some, there's some things I, I would do differently if I was running that team, but, um, they had a really good season. They, I think, they went through league play without losing a game in actual league games that count. They lost one or two games along the way that were you know, not official games. Right. But um, you know, and they and they and they played some pretty good teams in the playoffs and did pretty well for themselves. And and even against New England, they played, uh, I thought, pretty well. And had yeah. some uh, things. If they had gotten a couple of finishes early in the game, I think it would been a completely different game. But. Um, it was a good run. Yep. Third Degree, the podcast is brought to you by Soccer90.com. Right now, shop all the latest arrivals, including the FIFA Women's World Cup gear, FC Dallas, European clubs. Grab the new Marvel FC Dallas pregame top. MLS Captain America balls. Man, they got all the good stuff for this summer. Get your kids all decked out. Third Degree listeners receive 20% off your order when you use code THIRDDEGREE at checkout. Soccer90.com. Some exclusions may apply
0: all right well i hope everybody has a nice good fun safe july 4th weekend because when we talk to you next we will have not one but two dallas matches to review and discuss and i'm sure i feel it in my heart they will arrive with six solid points in hand so have a great safe holiday weekend and we will speak to you next time on another episode of third degree the podcast it's
2: too windy to whisper Third Degree, the third degree never Third degree, the third degree never gets. Third degree, the third degree never gets. Third degree, the third degree never gets.